Welcome to Two Sides to the Story with Ted and Lori. I'm Ted Zaleski. And I'm Lori Hirstetter. It is September 1st, and we are at our normal spot to record Exploration Commons. Um, just a quick comment before we even get going that one of our local bookstores, the Rudolph Girls, um, just moved their location in Westminster today. Um, just up the street a bit, but they are now combined um, with another business called Birdie's Cafe. So Westminster now has its, I don't know if it's its first, but it has its only, at the moment, bookstore cafe. So if you're a listener, if you're in our local audience, uh, you may be interested in checking them out. They've got a lot of new things going on as they have their grand reopening today and first day as a bookstore cafe. So I just like to say congratulations to the Rudolph Girls and to Birdie's Cafe. And I'm really looking forward to getting uh, a chance to visit your new location. And I did stop in before. Did I you came already? Yes. I saw I saw Allie. I saw the new setup. It was it was kind of hard to picture what this was going to look like. I okay. didn't know how they were going to do it. Yeah. Uh, but what they ended up with is books kind of spread throughout the, the area. There's not a bookstore and a cafe. Mm -hmm. The bookstore is the cafe and the cafe is the bookstore. Um, so they have, don't know when we'll be getting this on the air for people. Yeah. Uh, today is Friday. On Saturday and Sunday, there will be things going on there. Yes. If you hear this in, in time. And um, uh, I was just thinking something. I don't know. I forgot already. Okay. Well, um, again, happy September to everyone and happy grand reopening for the bookstore cafe that is Rudolph Girls and Birdies. I know what it was. Go for it. Um, they will, the bookstore will be open seven days a week now because, yes. because of the combination. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll be there every day. All right. So uh, actually, today's episode is not anything about any of that. It's not even about our local area. It is about good book hunting, and it is about a trip that Ted took to Asheville, North Carolina recently. So I've taken a trip or two and have shared with Ted in the audience about where I went and what I did, and it's Ted's turn. So, Ted, I'm going to turn it over to you if you could tell us about your trip. I do already know a little bit, but there's plenty that is going to be new for me to hear, just like our listeners today. And I, what I mostly know is that this is enough content for more than one episode. So we're going to split this up into two. Uh, we're going to talk in, um, in detail about Asheville and the places that you visited in Asheville on this recording. And then the second show, which will come later, will be about the other places that you visited in uh, the surrounding area. We're also gonna set this up a little differently than normal. Uh, first, you're gonna hear sort of Ted's impressions of his trip and my questions about it. Um, and then we're gonna save the recording for the very end. So there is an interview with the bookstore seller um, at one of the stores, and that we're going to save towards the end. So uh, let's let's get started. Ted, <laughs> tell us about your trip to Asheville. Okay, so I've been to Asheville before. It's a place I like. Uh, I'd probably, if it wasn't as far away as it is, eight nine hour trip, I would probably go there more often than I than I do. Mm. But um, I was gone for four days, and pretty much two of the days are traveling time. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're uh, very, very nice place. Um, in Asheville and in the area I visited, I think it was seven or eight bookstores in a relatively short period of time. Also went to a lot of breweries. Asheville is a great place for beer, if uh, you like that. So I stayed at an Airbnb in a little neighborhood that didn't feel like city at all, mm -hmm. but was within easy walking distance of the downtown. Oh, that's perfect. I went back and forth a, a number of times uh, during the days. So when it's in downtown Asheville, number one for me was visiting Malaprops. Uh, this is a bookstore for people who have listened to us a lot. You've heard come up before. I had a Malaprops t-shirt at our kickoff episode last October. Uh, I've 
mentioned it at other times. They have a great online newsletter called Shelf Awareness. And sharp listeners might know that we talk about shelf awareness and have part of our website labeled that way. One of the very early episodes, I think, was even titled Shelf Awareness, or, or in part. It was an interview with Heather Owings, the brand's manager at the Finksburg branch, um, and we were talking about shelf awareness with her. And since then, it's been a topic multiple times. So really cool that you got to go back to the place that inspired that. So um, everything else that happened just kind of happened as it did. With Malaprops, I actually did a little work beforehand to try and set up the possibility of an interview. Uh, I wasn't able to get it with the store owner, but I did talk with Justin, who is the senior buyer for this for this store. Mm-hmm. And that they would do something. It really wasn't until the afternoon of the day we did it that we had a time set. But then I went with him and I, I I believe we talked for about half an hour. Uh, Malaprops, you know, it's it's a bookstore like many, and it's hard to say quite what sets it apart in, in my mind, but uh, I think they work really hard at uh, trying to have an interesting selection of books. The people they hire, I think, are all very committed book people. And I'm sure that's not all that unusual, but uh, they, they seem really like people who are in, into what they're, they're reading. Um, Malaprops was one of the beginning pieces of the Renaissance of Asheville. Asheville, a couple decades ago, was reportedly not a very nice place anymore. Mm. And gets talked about in the interview a, a little bit. And actually, more than one, this is a theme from several small towns that we've run into over the past almost year of doing this show. Bookstores really help build a community. And I'm not saying they're always the starting point, but they are often part of their story. And if you have a bookstore and a brewery, then you're really going. You're definitely going to get Ted to visit. <laughs> So I uh, had a good time at, at Malaprops, and in just a little bit, we'll play you the interview that I, I had with Justin there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malaprops has a sister store in downtown Asheville called Downtown Book and New- Books and News. Uh, it's books. I think at one time they probably had a, um, they kept a lot of newspapers there too, if mm. I remember right. That, of course, is, has changed, but they do still have magazines at, at that uh, spot. Uh, it's just a couple blocks away, yeah. easy walk between the, the two stores. Okay. Um, there's another place called the Battery Park Book Exchange and Champagne Bar. Oh, interesting. Now, I'm pretty sure that this is the only bookstore I've ever heard of that has Champagne Bar in their name. Yeah, it's a little different. So, um, and the store is more than a little different. Uh, it also is not very far away from Malaprops. First interesting thing is outside of this, they've got kind of a street market, but there's a permanent setup, uh, a little roof area with these, um, I don't want to quite say tables, but stands for, I guess they, you know, they have, um, uh, vegetables and flowers and things, oh, sell, okay. sell jewelry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they have a regular time, that, but the day I was there, there was one guy selling some jewelry out, okay. out, out there. What day of the week did you go? That would have been Thursday, I think. Okay. I'm just picturing, at least in our area, farmer's markets are generally like a Saturday or right. Sunday morning. So I would imagine it would look quite different if you had been there on the weekend. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think Another time I was there, it was at a time oh, is that right? it, was all, it was all busy. Okay. Um, you could easily miss that there's a bookstore there. It mm. uh, doesn't scream out bookstore. Mm. And when you walk in, it still doesn't scream out bookstore. What, what you see is 
oh, this is a restaurant. Oh, but look, they have some books here. I was just going to say that. Um, there are a lot of pictures that you took from the trip that we will find a way to incorporate in some way with this episode. Uh, between Instagram, Facebook, maybe even the website, we'll find a way to share some of that. But when you sent me those pictures, that's immediately what I thought, is that it looked like a restaurant, not a bookstore. So if you walk toward the books, then you kind of go around a set of shelves, and then you say, oh, there's more books. You walk in a little further, turn a corner, oh, there's more books. And then there's another seating area for eating and you walk back through this room and up some steps and over and over again it's oh there's more books there's more books and by the time you've wound your way all the way in you realize that it is a substantial bookstore uh, it is also a restaurant though there's even a formal seating area right in the middle of bookshelves in the upstairs area so the sections like you go around the corner and oh there's more is each around the corner a different section? Is it organized and labeled in that way? Or is it more like home bookshelves where every shelf just has a variety of things all thrown together? No, they're, they're organized in a pretty typical sort okay. of way. Mm -hmm. You just, um, I don't remember what was what, but to get to history, it might be walking all the way through the first floor and upstairs and then okay. part, part way back through the room. Did you eat there? I didn't. I was curious about the menu. Besides champagne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I didn't look at the menu. Just curious. Uh, we can look there, it up. There were people around mm -hmm. who who were eating. Some seemed to be kind of just casually together. Uh, some probably sitting down for a meal. So uh, an, an unusual place. I really can't think of anything else I've seen comparable to um, the book exchange. So those are the three book stores in downtown. And then there's an area of Asheville called West Asheville. Uh, you have to actually drive to that. It's not part of the downtown. And there were two bookstores that I stopped at when I went over that way. One was called Bagatelle, which is a used bookstore. The owner of that store had a connection to Malaprops. Yes, I remember. Okay. Um, yeah, I wrote a couple of things down. So obviously, I've already had the benefit of hearing the recording and other people haven't. But you did say that. No, Justin said that in the episode, that that store was a former employee of Malaprops. And I'm sure you're going to talk in more detail, but even said what their specialization was, which was kind of interesting, I thought. Rare and antiquarian. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't get to talk to anybody at Bagatelle. So, yes, they're all used. They do have some things that go just beyond the you know, dollar a book used store into you know, rarer and, and older things. Mm -hmm. I didn't end up spending a lot of time there. So, I, I don't have a, a great deal to say about specifically what was there. And also in West Asheville is a store called um, Firestorm. And uh, this is a book operative and self-described radical bookstore. Uh, they have a definite social leaning presence. It is part of who they are. And this is kind of interesting because we are going to be going to another store, actually tomorrow as we're recording Exactly, this. yeah called Red Emma's, and it is called Red Emma's for social, political reasons. So we'll be having two of these. The other is that it's also a cooperative. Uh, it is um, Red Emma's, I did a, just a little research before our trip tomorrow as it's recorded, um, is a employee-owned um, bookstore, and I don't know how many people it is. Um, we've talked about Red Emma's recently because they had the safe to crack. So if anybody has been paying attention and one of their owners was the face of the 
face, I would call it the, the safe cracking campaign that they put it on social media, Instagram, Twitter, et cetera, to say, come take a, a shot at cracking the safe. And the gentleman, I wish I could remember his name. He had a really cool name and I hope we get to meet him tomorrow, um, was the, the face of the videos that was um, showing the process from sending out the invite to the day that the safe was actually opened. So just the idea of the cooperative bookstores is very interesting to me. Have you come across that much or is this the only two that you've heard of locally and lately? <sighs> lately, for sure. Okay. It seems like it would have come up sometime, but um, I can't think of any other ones. Mm -hmm. I can see that being for further discussion at another time, but you have a yeah. lot of other things to say today. Yeah, and in downtown Asheville, I forgot one thing I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, they also had uh, the Pack Memorial Library, also very close. So, um, Malaprops, Downtown Books, the Battery Park Book Exchange, Pack Library are all within maybe four blocks of each other. So you can you can do a lot of book hunting in Asheville without mm -hmm. a great deal of physical effort. Uh, so I, I did visit the library. Um, I tried to get to talk to somebody there, but was un unsuccessful. Uh, I'd hope to be able to record a little bit of an interview. They do have one very interesting, well, more than one. Oh, let me back up. Might be mixing up places. No, it was here. Okay. Yep. So um, one interesting thing, they have a used bookstore inside the library called Bookends. Yes, that was inside of the Pack Library, right? right. Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, what money they make goes to to supporting the library. Yes. Uh, Lori was on a trip not too long ago where she was in a library who had a similar kind of arrangement, a bookstore inside their, their library. Yes. Just the first two times that I, I remember this coming up. There are lots of places that sell, sell books, but usually a cart full of books or maybe a little shelf somewhere. But these, in this case, it was both actual space for a bookstore. Yes. Um, I was uh, in a trip in Virginia and they had the, the same approach. And that was the only time I'd ever seen it. So it was kind of cool that you, you found the same. And the other thing that I was uh, trying to figure out if I had the right place in my mind and actually didn't remember it was in the PAC library. They had just something called um, a library, like plant seeds. Oh, nice. Uh, I have a picture. They have this cabinet full of drawers. Oh, I remember with, that with picture. seeds in them. Yeah. So the idea is, and they're just starting this, so they don't know if it works or not. You come take seeds, and of course you're not going to return the seeds, but the idea is uh, after your plants grow, you bring seeds back again, yeah. and then other people can... Uh, take it from there. Pay it forward. So it'd be interesting to see uh, if that is a success for them. I like it. It's a neat model. And I, I think the cabinet stood out to me because I don't know if we've have, ever had this conversation, but, you know, um, apothecary cabinets, has that come up? Yes. Is something that I really like. I don't own one. I've looked at them. They're expensive. So it's not, it's on the list of someday I'd like to have. Um, and I don't know what it is about all those little compartments, but it tends to remind me of the old library set up where you would go to the cabinet and look through the card catalog with the Dewey Decimal System to look up where the book was located before the computers told you exactly where to go. I think I think it's a throwback for me with that. I think that there's a tie in a why I like those so much. So when I saw that picture, it, um, it reminded me of, of that interest of mine. Yeah, I love card, card catalogs. And there, there's so much good of being computerized. I can't say that I would want it all to go away. Yeah, it's hard but to I, argue. I, I, miss, I miss card catalogs. Well, we're old school and we're book nerds, so it just makes sense. So while I was at the Bookends bookstore mm -hmm. in the Pack Memorial Library, I did buy four books. What do you got there? I bought one called The Secret Country by Pamela Dean. Uh, I've read a book or two of, of hers another time. Just caught my eye. Figured... Why not? And what category would you put this uh, in for people not seeing it? Probably fantasy. Which is your favorite? Then, in their personal development area. Mm, whose favorite <laughs> section is that? I don't know. <laughs> I found a book that was made for Lori. You know, she likes this. Um, 
personal development. She likes small format books. She likes books that have pictures and pages with more space than, than writing. And it's about happiness, which is almost bliss. So <laughs> it, it, it was, I said, oh, that one's coming back. That's definitely a Lori book. So and there you are. A little side joke because here you have four books, and Ted sent me pictures of the four books that he bought. And he said, Guess which one is for you? And I intentionally picked a different one because I, I knew, obviously, that this little bite sized book was probably the one for me, especially when I saw that Happy was in the title. <laughs> but um, we had a little fun with it. Actually, I think this one that you're about to show next is the one I said, The Otter Book is for me, right? Yes. <laughs> The, the Otter's Tale by Simon Cooper. And thank you for the book, by the way. Yeah. Um, I, I really, I didn't even look at it other than the, um, the the cover. But it looks like the kind of book that I've enjoyed other times. Somebody kind of digging in deep to a kind of animal. You know what it reminded me of? And maybe this is where you were going. Is Soul of an Octopus. And the same author did the Hummingbird book. Simon Montgomery. So it's the same idea. In fact, I wouldn't have been surprised if it was the same author. And didn't you say Simon Montgomery has done another book? What was the animal? Do you recall? Turtles, I think. Was it turtles? It was turtles because my sister, shout out Jen, loves turtles. So that might be the kind of book that I would be interested in for her. So and The cover also has a nice watercolor picture of a of an otter on it yeah that's really pretty and then the fourth book um southern author i like reynolds price it's a, a memoir he wrote called clear pictures first loves first guides so is this a picture of him when he was a child i imagine i i didn't check it out but i i assume so okay so again i have, haven't even looked at this now if those of you uh, who listen regularly heard our episode with my daughter Monica, our second episode with Yeah, Monica. that was the last one we recorded. We were talking about <clears throat> books she buys and how she ends up reading a chapter of this one and 34 pages of that one. Yeah. I would have already read some of these if I was her, but I, I have not done Well, that. you have other things going on, but there is no doubt that you will get to them, I'm sure. And just to give everyone sort of a quick heads up, uh, the episode that we just mentioned, Monica's Road Trip, was episode 36. And can you believe that we're recording today episode 37? When we started this in October, oh, would you have ever guessed that we'd be on episode 37 before we even got to the one-year mark? Uh, I'm not sure I knew what to expect. Uh, it's incredible. It just blows my mind. Anyway, sidetracked. Go right ahead. Okay. I think that's what I had in mind to say about Asheville. Of course, we... Um, Still have the interview coming. Yes. Was there anything else that you wanted to follow up on? Well, um, I've already asked questions as you've been talking, so it's not that. But we're already 22 minutes in, and we have a recording to have play for you at the end here that is longer than what we've talked about so far. It's like 27 minutes. So I think what I would like to do is just sort of set up a little bit of what is in the video. My impressions from, I say video, the interview um, from my perspective is just a listener this time. Lori sees it in her mind. I do see it in my mind. I'm a very visual person. I think I've said, watch the show, and now I'm talking videos, and we don't do any of that. It's all just audio, but anyway, that's where my head goes. So um, this is me in the passenger seat this time and just listening to your experience. And I have seen some of the pictures to go along with it. We'll try to do a good job of putting that out there in a way that everyone can get as much of Ted's journey as, as possible. Um, but a couple things stood out to me as I listened to the interview, and um, that might be worth everyone thinking about as they listen to the second part, which is just going to be the interview, and that'll be the end of the episode. So um, the guy that you talked to, Justin, has an interesting history. It's not like his life goal was to be a bookseller. He sort of fell into it. Um, and it just, I really, I, I found him interesting. Um, his interest in books is a little different than others. He specifically talked about his favorite category being translated fiction. That's not an answer I would expect to hear from someone. He started his, I don't know if he started his career, but his career before book selling was in the movie industry. And he moved on to the bookstore kind of on a whim, just knew a couple of people there and was in between 
jobs. And he called it, he referred to it as his calling. And it just brought up something for me that we have found along the way that, um, you know, people have found books or found a bookstore. And, and this is clearly his, his passion, his bliss. Um, and it was just kind of cool to listen to that as the two of you were interacting together. Um, so I, I, I found it to be a very interesting interview. Um, I hope that you all enjoy it. Do you have anything to add before we just turn it over to the recording and then wrap uh, up the episode? I should say one thing. This was actually recorded right in the bookstore with the bookstore open and people around. So you will hear other things from time to time. I have to tell you that just added to the interest for me. It was like we have an episode very early on <clears throat> where we interviewed Annette Danik from Penguin Random House and we were in the warehouse and you could hear the noises of the factory and it just, I don't know, it made it to me even more interesting. So hearing customers coming in and out of the store, hearing conversations that were going, even the open the close of the shop door, um, to me just, I, I thought it made it for a very interesting interview. We need to get out of the studio more and record on location. <laughs> That's my take. I'm sure that'll happen. <laughs> okay. So um, that is it from Ted and I talking. We're going to switch to the recording. And instead of our normal ending of enjoy your reading, we'll say enjoy your listening okay. as you hear Ted and Justin from Malapop's bookstore in Asheville, North Carolina. Enjoy. So here in Malapop's books in Asheville, North Carolina, not the first time I've been here, a store I've followed for many years. They have a online newsletter called Shelf Awareness which we actually stole for a sep uh, piece of our, our website where we talk about what people read and why kind of things. Uh, last time I was here was actually during COVID and I couldn't get in because I <laughs> didn't live in North Carolina. <clears throat> but I'm here again and I'm here now. And I'm with Justin, I forget your last name. Justin. Souther. Souther. And, and you are the, you, you're the head, like, head buyer of the books? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, how many books a year do you buy? You think? I've never, I, I've never thought about trying to figure out the exact number. It's a lot. Yeah, I can I see it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. For you, it's day to day work. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, do you thousands? Do, do you know how many books are typically in the store? You know, I should know that number. Um, I could look it up for you, but I don't. Yeah. There's things like. I should know that number. I should know the square footage. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I never remember those All right, things, I'm so. asking all the wrong questions no, here. No, fine. <laughs> I mean, those are legit questions. People ask them, and I just don't. Okay, um, well, why don't we start out? I'll just talk a little bit about Malaprops yeah. for people who have never been here. Yeah, so we opened in um, 1982. Um, a few doors down from here, a couple doors down, um, small bookstore with cafe in the basement. Um, Emika was the founder of the store. Um, she wasn't even from Asheville. Um, she had been working, I want to say at Borders. I might be wrong on that. So one of the chain stores, she had been working at it for a long time. And one day she decided she wanted to open her own store. And she and, when, was, and that the timing of opening that, that was a time when Asheville was not really like Asheville is today. Yeah, right? there wasn't anything in the downtown area. If people have been here recently, it's a lot different than it was 40 years ago. So she took a bit of a chance. Yeah, yeah. But I think at the same time, it was like easy to kind of have rent was cheap. I'm yeah, sure. good and, point. Um, so... Yeah, she was just passing through and really liked it here. Um, there's kind of a famous story, just kind of tell you where Asheville was in those days. In the Around that time, there was a push to tear down the entirety of the downtown area. Oh, uh, didn't know and that. put a shopping mall. Hmm. It was going to be sort of like a big Mall of America type thing. Um, and some local business owners... Um, 
in downtown got together and managed to stop it, luckily, because it would have... I can't even imagine what that would be like. Yeah, it changed everything. You certainly wouldn't have what you have today. No, no, not at all. Um, So we were in that space down the street from 82 to 1997, and then we moved into our current space at 55 Haywood Street, um, which was originally the Asheville Hotel. Um, It was a department store at one point, um, and... It was an Elks Lodge as well, um, which I think she, Emika took the, liked getting the space because at the time, when the Elks Lodge was here, women weren't allowed in it, so she was <laughs> to put a, a woman-owned bookstore right. here. Um, was She liked the irony of that. Um, and then she retired in 2019 and sold the store to Gretchen Horn. Gretchen has a long, long relationship with the store. She moved to Asheville in the early 2000s and actually got a job as a barista here and then started in the accounting office and then kind of moved her way up. And so she's done it all. Yeah, yeah. So, And so Emic has been the minority owner, but um, she's about to sell her last shares to Gretchen soon. So it's been a... A bit of a changing of the guard. Um, Emic still pops in here and there. Um, we're, we had plans um, in early 2020 to start publishing books. Um, things took a turn, as everyone knows. So we haven't done that as much, but we are planning on putting out a book of Emic's poetry um, in the fall. So keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Yeah. So was that plan to focus on anything where you can be regional stuff or any type yeah, of book? Mostly regional. Um, I, it just, yeah, local authors that we have relationships with and things like that. I don't think there was ever any, like, firm plan on what we wanted to do right. with it. It was just a thing that we had the idea for. So. Yeah. So Laurie and I have another writing project we're working on, and I've been paying more attention to publishers now uh-huh. than, than in the past. Okay, so uh, so back to Malaprops. You know, how, how would you describe the store to somebody? Um, it's, I guess, like, if you're going to just whittle it down to a definition, we're just general interest bookstore. We don't really have a specialty. Um, we put a lot of focus on fiction because that's the big seller. Um, we take a lot of pride in our regional section. There's a really rich regional writing history. Which I am looking at as we're sitting here talking. Yeah, Um, and there is, I don't know, we take a lot of, we just want to be a really good well-rounded bookstore, um. We try to have a good poetry section because Emika is a poet. And so, so that's kind of in our DNA. So that's kind of where we're at. So um, how you much of your business it? is people walking into the store versus doing things online now? I mean, we get a lot of online sales. We've actually, once COVID hit, like that was obviously like for a lot of bookstores and a lot of businesses, like there was months where that was all of our business was just online sales um and that's i think we've seen um that uptick has kept going after covid but it's still like we're really fortunate to have a good community have a good local community but we're also in a, a town that has a really good um Regional fiction that's also kind of tourist. Uh, it's very tourist-driven, so we get a lot of foot traffic and people here. that are coming in, and, and really we've got the reputation that people want to come by the store and look around. <laughs> right. so. and we're hoping to even add a little bit more to that. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, so, you know, the change when COVID... I did an interview once where I was, it was actually a panel of people. It was, um, it was a person from the library, a couple of people from random Penguin Random House, and uh, an independent uh, bookstore owner. Uh, and this was, I think while COVID was still going. Yeah, it was, because we were, we were doing this virtually. It was a, a Zoom meeting. Yeah. 
And one of the questions I asked was, so what are you doing now because of COVID that you weren't doing before, but now seems like a really good idea that you're going to keep going? And for you, it might not have been quite the same thing. It might not have been a new idea for you, but just change things so that what happened in COVID became a new way of doing business. Yeah. So you um, said you get a lot of tourist mm-hmm. traffic. Yeah. Uh, any any common thread to you know, what you see from those people? Are they after anything in particular? I mean, I think it, it does help that we have such a rich regional section. I think a lot of people are looking when they're traveling. They're looking for something from the place they're traveling around, or what a taste of that. And books are a great way to like really understand a place sure um, yeah, my sister my, my, my daughter and her husband do a good bit of traveling in the United States and she's always going to bookstores and sometimes bringing home stuff for me but she she does exactly that you know she'll yeah. go in and she'll say to tell me the bookstore okay so what what should I read you know either something about here or something that was written by somebody who came yeah. out, of, out of this so uh, she's, she's definitely one of those people right. Yeah, it's um, and it's surprising how many people. I think maybe not as much because there's a lot of places that are. There's a lot of cities and towns that are opening. Bookstores are opening again. New ones are coming around. Um, but there was for a long time like people that would come in because they didn't have their own bookstore where they're from. Yeah, it was a. Scary time for a while. Uh, you know, borders and book, uh, Barnes and Noble years and things changing. A lot of the stores disappeared. I, mean, I can remember going to malls when malls yeah. were a different thing they were. Yeah. It was not unusual to have four different bookstores you, know, oh, yeah. that you could walk into. But uh, you know, in what we're doing with the podcast, we're seeing exactly what you're talking about. You know, that coming back. In yeah. fact, in Carroll County, uh, we've added. We had one independent bookstore. Uh-huh. We've added two in the last two years, I think. So we have three, three businesses that all seem to be doing doing well. Yeah, yeah, and we're Asheville, as far as cities go, is pretty small. It's growing, but we're fortunate to have a lot of good bookstores, and it's one of the great things about being booksellers is that we're not competing with other bookstores like we want all of us to succeed and do well and yeah we, we've seen that too yeah, yeah there's yeah. kind of a a brotherhood yeah yeah exactly yeah, so um what are what are some other bookstores around here um well we have a sister store called downtown books and right. news that's, that's all used right? yeah used bookstores um we don't carry any periodicals, so they've got the magazines and newspapers and things. Um, so it's a nice, between the two of us, you can find a lot of things. Um, uh, there's a friend of ours named Patrick who worked at DVN and worked here for a bit, who opened a store in West Asheville called Bagatelle Books. Um, and it's used in rare books, antiquarian books. Um, for a long time there was um, Bagatelle's kind of like a spiritual successor to um, Captain's Bookshelf which was a really long standing antiquarian bookstore that was downtown until um, around COVID he retired um, but that was a big part of the community too was that store and then there's um Firestorm. It's in West Asheville, which is um, a cooperative, and they just opened, they just bought a new space, so they just opened that, and so they do a lot of stuff with the community, and um, they're really great, so there's a lot of, like, bases covered. Yeah, it's funny, doing a lot of stuff with the community. Something else we've been seeing, that bookstores seem to do a whole lot of community interaction. Yeah. And it's different from place to place, but not unusual at all. Yeah, it's kind of like what... I mean, I always talk about, at the end of the day, it always... You, it's retail. Like, when we're interviewing someone who wants to be a bookseller, like, like, I do tell them, like, this is a retail environment. Like, there's a lot of retail involved in this. But it's... 
can, if you really take to it, it can be feel a bit more honorable than just other jobs along this line. Because you do get involved with your community, and there's events and community outreach and things like that. It can be really fulfilling. Yeah, you know, and even you know, the retail aspect. Um, if people are in a bookstore, they probably want a book. They might right. need help finding one. But uh, some retail, you find yourself trying to sell people things that they don't really want, right. which is, a, in my mind, a, a hard way to, to, to work. Right. And earlier in my life, I was, I was there for a while. So what's your story with um, uh, Malaprops? Well, I um, started here. So next month will be my 10-year anniversary. Um, so I started here in 2013. As a part-time bookseller, I had actually worked in movie theaters for a long time, um, which was something I was interested in a long time in film and things like that, but it, it was not an environment that's like conducive to nurturing that sort of thing. So um, I just quit my job at one point and was looking for something else and kind of I knew some people that worked here and interviewed and ended up working here and immediately um, <laughs> took to it. Um, like, I knew it was somewhere I wanted to work, but I didn't realize, like, how much I would love it. Because um, I have, like, a creative writing degree, and I sort of had forgotten how much I enjoy books, and so this is a good environment for that, and, like being around other people that really like books and being around authors and people in publishing like getting because it's much more of like you realize you're like in a trade more than with other jobs that you can get so is there any any writing in your life oh no I don't know I think about it sometimes but um I have a friend an old friend who once called me an enjoyer <laughs> and he didn't mean that as like a bad thing so yeah. I don't think it is a bad thing right. I think there is an amount of like need people that just enjoy things so sure. I mean, writers without readers yeah exactly so um, yeah I kind of just have been been doing this kind of worked my way up to being a buyer um, which I guess I've been doing since 2015, 2016, somewhere in there, which doesn't seem, in my brain, it doesn't seem like I've been buying that long, but it, when I do the math, it has been a long time. I understand. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's... Uh, Lori and I have a friend at Peng Peng Penguin Random House named Annette Danik. She is the logistics person okay. for them. And she says when she's traveling, she stops in the stores and you know, she will go in and say, you know, how are we doing? How are things working? Uh, do, you ever, do you remember running across her? I wonder if she ever I came here. I don't think I've met her. Yeah. The name does not ring a bell. Yeah, we actually did an episode with her. Talked about her and her book world, but also got a tour of Penguin Random House has uh, one of their two warehouses in Westminster. Right. It's a huge thing and they, they ship more than a million books a day out of that facility. I'm sure they that's, we order a lot from them, <laughs> so I can imagine. Yeah, and that's um, another thing we have a little little peek at that you know, I kind of knew in some way but never really thought about just how fast books move now. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not unusual to walk into a store, order a book, and have it the next day or two days later. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of competition as far as like getting books to people on time so yeah and I know I, I walk into stores sometimes looking for a book and I might have a reason why I need it today but right. almost always now be we can order for you yeah yeah and it, I, I do think there's a lot of times where people um, I don't know I feel kind of bad when we don't have things that people are looking for but there's only so much room that you yeah. have and we do try to like curate what we carry and wanted to have like a specific um, we want the things that people find to be kind of specific and 
there is a lot of thought put into it. And the what's on the shelves is always changing and sure. evolving. And yeah, one piece of that. Sure, you have to pay attention to you know, the the hot bestsellers. Yeah, you're ordering a bunch because people want a whole lot, but at yeah. some point they stop buying them. Uh-huh. How how do you work through that? Um, we just well we return them. <laughs> oh, we is just that what keep, yeah, yeah. Or we just hold on to them and sell them. You know, so yeah, you know, we're pretty lucky that we can be flexible with what we carry in the industry itself there's a lot of put into making it so we can be flexible and take chances on things yeah and it would seem like that makes sense for the publishers as well yeah Yeah. find a way for you to take a bunch of books hoping it works out yeah and we want to have stuff that people aren't necessarily going to find like one of my litmuses for a good store is when I can go into a bookstore and find stuff that I haven't seen before. Like, I always like that because that means somebody's, like, trying to move, looking, you know. Interesting. Now, you mentioned you started here as a bookseller. Uh Now, it's not unusual to find people in bookstores who like books. You know, it just kind of mostly works out that way, I think. I think Mallet Pops has a reputation of having booksellers who are really into what they're they're doing yeah can you talk some about you know the people that come here and how that all works as far as like the booksellers or yeah the... yeah how how you find them what, what kind of what kind of role do they play in the in the yeah, store well, we want it to be really collaborative um so we're really fortunate that we get if we ever put out a hiring ad that we get a lot of great candidates and um, we're really lucky in that regard um i think one of the things we do look for when we're hiring is that like my main thing is like i do want people that love books because it makes makes for good booksellers you know so um because i feel like people that maybe they haven't been a bookseller before if they are a book lover if they get into book selling like they can really like take to it because that's like not everyone's gonna like find it as a calling but I feel like when I started here it did feel a lot like a calling and so trying to find people that maybe that's gonna do the same for them or that has that potential that's fun to kind of look for those people. Yeah, I imagine you have to do a lot of reading to do your job. Um, I think it's funny. I think you can do as much reading as you want to to do it. Um, like I'm a pretty regular reader, but I'm not like a power reader. Like there's some people that you run into in book selling who are just like reading 100 books in a year and right. I can't do that I don't I don't know how to, how to do that so um, what, what do you like to read um, I like a lot of translated fiction um, just because of how because when I was getting my writing degree like once I got done I kind of could start seeing how I would read, like, American writers and see, like, the workshop. I could see, like, the gears turning and stuff like that. I didn't really enjoy that. So to, like, start reading stuff from different cultures and that have completely different um, traditions, literary traditions and us, I really liked that. So I kind of got really attracted to that. But I've also, like, there's a certain vintage of southern writer that I really like um, like Larry Brown is a, I'm a big fan of his um, so those are kind of like my staples but I don't believe anybody has ever said to me um, translated literature oh, really? <laughs> thing. yeah that's that's very interesting um, any particular authors that stick out for you um, I was so the, the first author that really like hooked me was Roberta Bolaño 
who's a Chilean writer. Um, but there's a lot of like, I tend to like gravitate for whatever reason towards Latin American writers. Um, there's a certain like affection they have for like pulpier stuff that I appreciate. But they kind of elevate it to more literary things, so I kind of like that. Um, and then I. And so it's like that and like French writers for whatever reason. Um, just connect with me. So. So anything along those lines, and it's not always cut and dry. Like there's other writers from different countries and things. But those are the kind of like the. They kind of have a mood or a vibe that I connect with. So. Well, I'm really, I was glad to hear that. You know, one of the things I like about these kind of conversations is it almost always goes someplace that I just couldn't oh, yeah. have anticipated. Well, that's also like, to go back to the bookseller kind of aspect of all of this, um, we have a group of booksellers, like we're, we all read different things. And so it, there's some overlap, but there's a lot of like different tastes and things. So it makes it... Oh interesting to like have if you're if someone's looking for something or looking for a recommendation like we probably have somebody that reads along those lines right so yeah I know we're doing this in the middle of your your work day so I don't <laughs> yeah. want to take up too much of your time uh, before we end though um, anything you'd say to whoever might hear this podcast about Malaprops oh um I don't know. Well, we we we're open seven days a week. We're only closed on Thanksgiving and Christmas, so you can probably find us. And for COVID, yeah, yeah, and for COVID. Hopefully, that <laughs> won't be an issue again. Um, and you can find us at malaprops.com. You can find us on all the social media sites. Um, you can actually one of the. I don't, one of the brighter things that came out of COVID is that we do all our events virtually now. So um, even if you can't join us in the store, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and watch our events and things like that. So we're always like interested in, it's always fun when people come and visit and love the store. Like we want it to be a good experience for them. So. Okay, so I've been talking to Justin at Malaprops Books in yeah. Asheville, North Carolina. I uh, hope we'll hear more from you guys. Yeah, good. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.